finding out, you know, preaching something's not the problem for preachers. We've always got something to say. It's finding out what God wants us to say, you know. And, and you don't need Mo's thoughts. You need God's thoughts. You don't need Mo's ideas. You don't need something that I think would be good. You need something that God knows you need. And, uh, and I believe this is exactly what the Lord laid on my heart. Uh, with all the turmoil, with all the craziness this past week, both nationally with the, the tragedy in Las Vegas and locally with the, the, the brouhaha on social media and all that other nonsense, today's subject is one we all need to be reminded of. If you have your Bibles today, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 for today's message. Of course, for those of you that have been in church for a little while, you know this is the love chapter. Okay, this is the love chapter. It's the love chapter that finds itself right in the middle of chapters 12 and 14, where Paul introduces and expounds upon spiritual gifts and their function in a strong and a healthy church. So you may ask the question, why in the world is the love chapter right in the middle of God, uh, uh, of Paul talking to us about spiritual gifts? Why would that happen? I believe because of all the tools that a spirit-filled church has at its disposal to combat the onslaught of evil that the enemy of our souls dishes out, love remains our greatest weapon. You see, not some spiritual gifts, not some word of knowledge, not some amazing thing that God's Holy Spirit flows through us, but love is the greatest weapon that we have. It's the greatest defensive weapon. It's the greatest offensive weapon. Love is it. You see, love serves as a one-word description of God himself in 1 John chapter 4, where it says God is love. And in addition, love should be the distinguishing characteristic of you and I as followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray together. Let's read chapter number 13 of 1 Corinthians. And let's pray that God would give each and every one of us a fresh revelation of his love. Because I don't know about you, but we all could use it. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are love. And I pray today, Lord God, that this would just not be another message, but God, this would be an opportunity for us to just receive a fresh rhema word from you. God, I pray that your word would come alive in our hearts, God, that the truth of your love, how much you love us, the depth, the the width of your love would just become absolutely astounding to each and every one of us, Lord. I pray right now over this congregation, I pray that you would anoint me, Lord, and that you would give us each a fresh revelation of your love and your grace toward us. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and everybody would say, Amen. First Corinthians chapter number 13, I'm going to read to you first out of the King James Version, and then I'm going to follow it up by reading out of the Message Version of the Bible. First Corinthians 13, Paul writes, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity. Whenever you hear the word charity, they mean love. That's the the King James Version for that. And have not charity, I become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I could move mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Keep in mind that in chapter number 12, Paul was talking about all these spiritual gifts. Verse number three, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. 
Verse 4, charity suffereth long, is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not up itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Charity never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity or love. The message version says it this way. This is a paraphrase. Chapter number 13. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all of his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't have love, I have nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor, even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love, love carries, cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swell head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth. What we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompletes will be canceled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of these three is love. You see, guys, love is something that every one of us think we understand, but it's something that every one of us needs a fresh revelation of every now and then. You know, guys, we need to love our men. Let me talk to you. We need to love our wives in a greater way. We need to love our children in a greater way. Amen? Wives, you need to love your husbands in a greater way. We need to love our family members. We need to love each other. Some of you at work, you need to pack love every morning in your lunchbox, okay? Some of you need to pack double, okay? At workplace you go to, you need a double dose, okay? You not only need two desserts, you need double love, okay? You need something. 
We need this. We need this in our land today. You know, almost a week ago, we saw that, that horrible, horrendous tragedy in Las Vegas. That's a picture of hate. That's a picture of evil. How do we respond? It's found in chapter 13 of Corinthians. We love. We love when we don't understand. We love even when we understand and we don't like what we understand. We love no matter what. The Christian response to hate should be and has always been love. Amen? It's the main characteristic of God and it should be the main characteristic of you and I as his followers. Amen? So when we talk about love, there is no question what this world needs is more of it. If people loved each other, really loved each other, there'd be no more war, no more crime, no more abuse, injustice, poverty, hunger, starvation, immorality. Love is the one ingredient that could revolutionize this society. Love is the greatest quality of human life. Love is the supreme quality, the most excellent way for a man to live. Now, when Corinthians talks about love, let me tell you what kind of love it talks about, okay? For those of you that have been in church a little while, you know this. You know that the Greek has four different words for love, okay? We, in the English language, we only have one. So we use it all the time. I say that I love Brittany's chocolate cake, because I do. I say that I love Miss Lorraine's uh, banana pudding, because I do, okay? I say I love gumbo. I love pizza. I love LSU. I love Chantel. I love my boys. Now, that's the same word I've used for every one of those, right? But how many know there's different levels of emotional attachment to each one of those things I said, okay? Since I hadn't had sugar in a little while, that chocolate cake and banana pudding is really high up the level right now, okay? But it ain't quite as high as Chantel. It's not near as high as my boys, okay? It's the same word, but there's a different attachment of the heart to each one. You understand that, right? Well, in the English language, we use the same word for all those things, but in the Greek, they use four different words. What are those four words? The first one is the passionate love or eros love, E-R-O-S. This is the physical love between sexes, the patriotic love of a person for his nation, the ambition of a person for power, wealth, or fame. Briefly stated, eros love is the base love of a man that arises from his own inner passions. Sometimes eros love is focused upon good, sometimes it's focused upon bad. It should be noted that eros love is never used in the New Testament, okay? But we understand that, right? The second word that we use, there is the affectionate love or the storge love, S-T-O-R-G-E. This is the kind of love that exists between parent and child, between loyal citizens and a trustworthy ruler. Storge love is not, is also not used in the New Testament. Now then there's a third word that they use. This is an enduring love. This is the love that cherish, cherishes. It is phileo love, P-H-I-L-E-O. This love is the love of a husband for a wife, for each other, for a brother, for a brother, of a friend for a dearest friend. It is the love that cherishes. It's the love that holds someone or something ever so dear to their heart. Now, we understand that, and that word is used in the New Testament. In fact, when Jesus asked uh, Peter, do you love me? He was asking one word. Peter was answering another. Peter kept saying, Lord, I phile you. Lord, I really love you. 
But Jesus was talking about an even deeper level of love, and that's what we're talking about today, and that is agape love. You understand that. That is the selfish, the selfless, and sacrificial love, agape, A-G-A-P-E. Agape love is the love of the mind, of the reason, of the will. It is the love that goes so far. It is... It is so far that it loves a person even if he does not deserve to be loved. That is, actually loves the person who is utterly unworthy of being loved. Note something significant about agape love. This is selfless or agape love is the love of God. The very love possessed by God himself. It is the love demonstrated in the cross of Jesus Christ. Romans 5 and 8 says, but God commended his love toward us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, that is God's kind of love. That is the decision God has made that he loves us no matter what. He loves you. He loves you no matter when you serve him or when you don't serve him. He loves you on your best day. He loves you on your worst day. He has made up his mind that he loves you. Okay? And that's the kind of love that Paul was talking about in Corinthians 13. And although we think we can do it, we can't do this kind of love without God's help. Amen? You can't just summon up enough love to agape somebody. Because every one of us have our limits, now don't we? (laughs) Every one of us, we have a point where if you go there, we can't love anymore. God doesn't have that limit. God doesn't have that point. Because if he had that point, some of you in here would have reached it. (laughs) Some of you in here, maybe even your pastor would have frustrated him to the point where he's like, that's enough. Okay, but no, God has made up his mind that he loves me, that he loves you, Fabian, that he loves every one of us in here. And that's the kind of love that you and I need to show to this world because that will change them. Amen. Love will change them. So let's focus in on on verses four through seven, because that's where it just kind of kind of fleshes out what kind of love we're talking about. You see, what is given in these four verses is not a long, dry, methodical definition of love. On the contrary, the very acts of love are given. The very behavior of a person, the very way a person is to live among and with others. In living and moving among others in the world, a person is to love. He is to agape. And this is what loving others looks like. So what we're going to do over the next few moments is we're going to unpack what love is really all about. Okay? You've heard this scripture before. In JBQ, you quoted it. In in, in, in discipleship class, you learned these scriptures. But we're going to break it down a little bit. And I want you to measure your love for others based upon these criteria. Okay? So let's get started. Number one, love suffers long. Or love never gives up. You see, guys, this love is patient with people. The word always refers to being patient with people, not just circumstances. How many have figured out that it's easier to be patient with circumstances than it is with people? Okay? Look, do you, do you get upset with people when somebody's car breaks down and maybe that slows down traffic? No, the car, it, it's circumstances. But how about when that car is working perfectly well and they still insist on driving 10 miles below the speed limit from Bayou Vista to Berwick? I don't have a problem with that. 
Does that not frustrate you? Okay, especially when I got to get there in a hurry, okay? And you got behind somebody who, who says, follow me to church, and they're driving 25 miles an hour, okay? I've really thought, I think my truck can go through that ditch. I really think I could. You know, there's a reason why Chantel won't buy us a Jeep, because I would go through that ditch, okay? I mean, I would straighten out a curve, okay? In Jesus' name, of course, I'd bless them on my way by, okay? But, but here's the thing. Love is patient, Love is patient. Now, guys, I got to tell you, this is hard for me to preach because normally I don't preach stuff I, I, I struggle with. <laughs> I struggle with this one, okay? I don't find myself as the most patient person in the world. I should let Sister Eloise come and just expound the next couple moments. Sister Garland, would you take the mic and just talk to us about being patient, okay? But here's the deal. God expects it of us. And you know what? The times I get most impatient is when I forget that I'm supposed to love that person. I'm supposed to love them whether they're going the speed limit or not. I'm supposed to love them where they tell me I'm number one or they tell me something else, okay? I'm supposed to love people no matter what because it's the kind of love that God has for me. I'm sure there's times that I've been going a lot slower than God wants me to go. <laughs> I'm sure there's been times God just wanted to, to, to kick me in my blessed assurance to get me going, Okay? But guys, love is patient with people. Love suffers a long, long time. No matter the evil or the injury done by a person, no matter the neglect or the ignoring by a loved one, love suffers a long, long time without resentment, anger, or seeking revenge. Love controls itself in order to win the person and to help him to live, work, and serve as he should. Love chooses to be righteous instead of just right. Amen? I talked about that last week. Sometimes we get so caught up in being right that we forget to be righteous. Amen? A couple scriptures to remind you of this. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, and faith. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not enough to just be Spirit-filled, guys. we got to be Spirit-led. you got to be Spirit-led when you go to Walmart and there's like one register open, okay? Why do they have 29 if they're only going to open one? Can anybody tell me that? Anybody ever worked at Walmart? You got that one figured out for me, okay? Yeah, okay. Well, well, you know, you understand. That's when you have to make the choice that I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. By the way, uh, I will be responding to my own altar call in a few minutes, okay? The second thing, not only is love patient, but love is kind. Love is kind, or as the message says, love cares more for others than it does for itself. Love is kind, love is courteous, it's good, it's helpful, it's useful, it's giving, it's showing, it's showing, showering favors. Love does not resent evil, it does not revel in the hurt and neglect. Love reaches out in kindness, in helpfulness, in giving, in showering favors upon the person who neglects or hurts oneself. Love is kind. Love is courteous. Love is thinking more about that person than about yourself. You know, so many times we get frustrated, we get aggravated, and I'm guilty as you are, because we're thinking more about ourselves than we are about others, aren't we? You know, I get frustrated when that person is driving 10 miles below the speed limit from Bayou Vista to Berwick, because it happens so often, and also because I'm thinking about my schedule. I'm not thinking about their schedule. 
I'm not thinking that maybe they just don't feel comfortable driving the speed limit. Or maybe, maybe they've got a lot of things on their mind. Maybe they're distracted or whatever. Okay, I'm thinking more about me than I am about them. But when I realize that I'm supposed to be kind... I just begin to pray. I just begin to thank God. I turn the K-love up a little bit louder and, and sing a little bit more. But love is kind. It's courteous. Paul said this to the Romans in Romans 12 and 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. By the way, there's no way you'll be able to keep up with all my scriptures today, Hunter, so don't even try. Okay? So, but Paul says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Ephesians 4 and 32, and you be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. You know, the moment you begin to want to be unkind to someone, think about how God has never been unkind to you. The moment you want to see, stand in the seat of judgment, the moment you want to get on somebody, give them, read them the riot act, or, or like you Cajuns do sometimes, give them a piece of your mind. You ever did that? Okay? Let me just, give me just a moment. Let me just tell them how it is. Aren't you glad, glad God hasn't told you how it is? Aren't you glad that, that God hasn't just laid it out on the line for you? Okay? God's kind to us because he loves us. We need to be kind to others. Amen? So love is patient. Love is kind. Number three, love does not envy. Love does not envy. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. It's not jealous. It doesn't have feelings against others because of what they have, such as gifts, position, friends, recognition, possessions, bass boats, bay boats. You understand. <laughs> Love does not begrudge or attack or downplay the abilities and success of others. Love shares and joys and rejoices in the experience and the good of others. Love doesn't envy. Love's not jealous. Love rejoices for other people when they do well. Amen? And guys, sometimes we're so bad at that. We really are, okay? We don't rejoice with others. Sometimes we say, oh, that's so nice, but in the back of our mind, we're like, you didn't deserve that. But guess what? You don't deserve what you get either. It's the grace of Almighty God, okay? You know what? It's kind of like after a ball game, okay? We're going down, we're shaking hands, good God, good God. We don't mean that, okay? I mean, if we'd be honest, we'd be like, you couldn't cover me. You couldn't cover me, okay? I'm, I'm talking for Josh now. You, you can't keep up with me. You can't. By the way, Miss Leah's son had two or three touchdowns Friday night. Go, go Panthers, okay? When Hayden slaps the hand of the, the lineman who's been holding him all night, he's not like, good job. He's like, I want to punch you in the face, okay? Okay? But again, we, we say stuff we don't mean, but guys, love, when we truly love someone, we're not envious. We rejoice with others when they rejoice. We mourn with others when they mourn. You know, guys, when my friend Russell Roseberry called me, it, it broke my heart. I went to the office and, and I poured out my heart praying for him and his family because it hurt my heart because he's a friend and I love him. And that's where, that's where we got to get. It's got to break our heart when things are, are not right in our community, when things aren't right in our world, when things aren't... What happened in Las Vegas should absolutely break the church's heart because, because we love people. We love people. Chantel said it so well of those 58, 59 souls that went to eternity. How many knew him? How many knew him? I don't know. How many didn't know him? 
They went to a concert just thinking they're, they're just going to have a good time. And before the concert was over, they were in eternity. Guys, that breaks my heart. That should break yours as well. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Galatians 5 and 26. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. We shouldn't do that. God says don't do that. Love does not envy. Fourthly, love does not vaunt itself up. It's not boastful. The the message says it this way. Love doesn't strut. Okay? Love doesn't strut. Okay, it's not boastful, does not brag or seek recognition, honor or applause from others. On the contrary, love seeks to give, to recognize, to honor, to applaud the other person. Romans 12 and 3, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt every man the measure of faith. Philippians 2 and 3, let nothing, say nothing, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Guys, we, we ought not strut as Christians, okay? We ought not, uh, we, we need to realize that, that, that it's only for the grace of God that we are where we are. That God has blessed us like he's blessed us. Love does not strut. Fifthly, love is not puffed up. Love doesn't have a swollen head. Everybody understand what we're talking about, huh? And I'm not just talking about your hat size, okay? (laughs) You know, we can't tell Caden too much. He'll get the big head, right? Okay? I can't tell Hayden too much. He'll get the big head, okay? You understand what we're talking about. You ever met somebody like that? You can't give them too much. They'll get the big head, okay? Love's not about all that. It's not puffed up. It's not prideful. It's not arrogant, conceited. Does not think or act as though oneself is better or above others. Love is modest and humble and recognizes and honors others. 1 Peter 5 and 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Ye, all of you, be subject one to another, be clothed with humility... For God resisteth the proud and gives grace to the humble. Guys, think about that. God resisteth the proud. God is against those that are prideful. Amen? There's been times that I thought people were resisting me. I thought uh, institutions were resisting me. And all the way, it was God resisting me because I was walking in pride, Fabian. I thought people had it out for me and God had it out for me because I was being prideful. Now, I don't know about you, but instead of God resisting me, I want God to give me grace. Can, can I get a witness? How many want God to give them grace? How many want God to help them? Joshua, you want God to help you in business? You want God to help you in your family? Absolutely, right? Let's make sure that we're humble. Let's make sure we acknowledge that we don't just sing a song about needing God, but each and every day we remind him again, God, I need you. God, I need you today. On your way to work tomorrow morning, say, God, I need you. God, I need you today. I need you each and every day. That's the kind of attitude that God blesses. So you have a choice, guys. Be prideful and let God resist you or be humble and let God help you. I'll let you figure out which one you should do. Amen? Sixthly, God does not behave itself unseemly. 
okay? Love doesn't force itself on others, okay? It doesn't act unbecomingly, rudely, indecently, unmannerly, disgracefully. Love does nothing to shame oneself. Love is orderly and controlled. It behaves and treats all persons with respect, honoring and respecting who they are. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Paul said, I set a good example. Paul said, we didn't act up around you. We, 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 we were orderly. We were mannerly. We did things in an appropriate way. Guys, the world should look to us for an example of what love looks like. Amen? You may say, well, people at work don't act like I do. Yeah, they're not supposed to. They're not Christian. Well, wait a second, Pastor. A couple of them go to church. You know what, guys? Going to church makes you a Christian like going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Okay? Just going ain't enough. Okay? It ain't you getting to church. It's church getting in you. Okay? And and just because somebody says they're a Christian doesn't mean their life illustrates it. Okay? Now, should we get all puffed up and say, well, I got it going on and you don't? No. We covered that a few verses ago. Love says, hey, let me show you a better way. Love says, let me take you by the hand and teach you, not by what I say, but by what I do. Amen? Is that good stuff? Love acts that way. Love doesn't force itself. Doesn't behave unseemly. Number seven. Love seeks not her own. It's not selfish. It isn't always me first. You ever met somebody that, that it seems like the world revolves around them? Guess what? I used to be like that. Okay, I was an only child. And my wife says, if you're around me long enough, you can figure that out. I don't know what that means, okay? Uh, do we have any other only children? I knew I loved you for a reason. There we go. That's why me and Fabian get along so good. Anybody else like that? Anybody else? Uh, the only child. You know what? Here's the way we look at it. Perfection, you don't have to have another. Okay? Okay? Uh, the rest of you really aren't happy with your pastor right now. Okay? But, but here's the deal. Love, love doesn't act like that. Love is not selfish. Love is not me first. In fact, you know what? Christianity is not me first. Christianity is others first. Because who is our example? Jesus. If anybody could have said it's all about me, Jesus could have. But Ronnie, he didn't, okay? Others said it's all about him, but Jesus himself said, hey guys, it's all about others. It's all about others. Because of me, it's about others. When he got on the cross, it wasn't about him. If it was about him, he'd never gone to the cross. He wouldn't got past the garden. Remember when he prayed, Lord, is there any other way? Can we call the youth pastor about this? Can we call Fabian, okay? Can Fabian get on that cross? But Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Amen? Guys, we need to realize that love is about others. It's not about us. Love is not selfish. Love isn't always me first. Love doesn't exist, uh, insist upon its own rights. Love is not focused upon who one is nor upon what one has done. Love seeks to serve, not to be served. Love is acknowledging others, not insisting that others acknowledge you. It is giving to others, not insisting that others give to you. Uh, love is other-focused. It's not focused on me, it's focused on others. Philippians 2 and 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Love is all about others, guys. Halfway home. 
In addition, love is not easily provoked. Love is not easily provoked. Love doesn't fly off the handle. It's not easily angered, not ready to take offense, not quick-tempered, not touchy, not prickly. It's not easily aroused to anger, does not become exasperated. Love controls the emotions, never becomes angry without a cause. Colossians 3 and 8. But now you also put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Paul said we ought not do those things. We used to do those things. We don't do them anymore. We got to be different. James 1 and 19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Boy, there's a lesson right there, isn't it? Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And finally, Proverbs 16, verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Guys, love allows you to control your emotions, okay? You know what? The reason I shared a few extra scriptures on that one is that one used to be an area that I struggled with. Guys, your pastor used to have such a short fuse. If you can't see how close my fingers are together, they're really, really, really close. Okay? But then I met Jesus, and it got a little longer. And then it got longer from there. And now at 44 years old, it's pretty doggone long. Okay? Now, there are moments that Hayden still lights that fuse. There are moments that even Chantel, my health coach, lights that fuse. Okay? There are moments when I went to B-dubs last night, and I, I wanted 10 wings, and she said coach you better just get five okay Terry I wanted more wings but I decided to 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 do the right thing okay but here's the deal guys love is not easily provoked you know what if you find yourself constantly flying off the handle if you if you find yourself constantly becoming exasperated with your kids you need to connect with God a little closer Okay, you know, a year or so ago, I was teaching in the public schools. Thank you, Jesus, I've been delivered. Okay, and I found myself constantly being provoked. I found myself constantly getting upset and getting angry. You know what the problem was? The problem wasn't them kids. The problem was me. The problem wasn't what those kids were bad. Those kids have always been bad. Okay, the problem was there were issues in my heart that had yet to be resolved. And you know what? Today, I go to a similar high school. I deal with some similar kids. But now, my heart is so much better. There's no longer that anger. There's no longer that bitterness. There's no longer those issues that that were unresolved. They're resolved now. Guys, if you find yourself flying off the handle, you need to spend some time with Jesus. You need to say, God, take that out of my life. Because you know what? You don't have much of a testimony between four-letter words. Amen? When you're losing it, guess what, guys? You're losing more than just it. You're losing everything. You're losing your testimony. Some of you losing your salvation. You're losing intimate relationships with others. Because how many times we hurt the people we love the most? We get upset at work and we take it home and we, we take it out on our wives and our kids. Did they deserve that? No. But love says we don't do that. Love says with God's help, we don't get angry. We don't get fashe. We don't get fired up for no good reason. Amen? Love is not easily provoked. In addition, love does not think evil. It does not consider. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. 
It does not consider the wrong suffered. It's not resentful. does not hold the evil done to oneself. Love suffers the evil done to it, and it forgets it. 1 Peter 3 and 9, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others. You know what, guys? You got to keep score in ball games because we got to know that we beat Erath Friday night, okay? You got to keep score in games, okay? Truth of the matter is, as competitive as I am, if we're not keeping score, I'm not playing, Okay, I remember back in T-ball, they used to say, we're not going to keep score. Well, guess what, Terry? My team kept score and we always won. Okay, we just, you know, hey, you remember T-ball where everybody gets the bat, nobody keeps score, and we don't call you out? Well, I knew who was out and I knew who was safe, okay? And we beat you all the time, okay? I kept score. I keep score. Now, some of you can't relate to this, okay? But if you're not keeping score, I don't want to play, okay? But here's the deal. In relationships, you can't keep score, in ball games, you can keep score because I really don't care if we hurt E-Rab Bobcats' feelings. They scored 55 on us last year. That's why we hung 55 on them Friday. All right? I don't really care about their feelings, okay? But guess what? I care about my wife's feelings. I care about my kids' feelings. And you can't keep score in relationships. And I've seen so many people do it. I've seen marriages fall apart because people are keeping score. It's like, well, if they do this for, th- for me, I'd do this for them. Friend, that don't work. What if God kept score with you? Ooh, getting quiet now, huh? See, the, so the reason some of us want to keep score is we think we're ahead, okay? We think that we're at the advantage. We think that, oh, if we keep score, if I tell Brittany how much I've done for her, guess what? I'll feel pretty good. But guess what, guys? Every one of us are way behind with God. Josh, if there was a score, scoreboard of heaven, we'd be way behind, wouldn't we? Guess what? I'd be behind too. I don't want God keeping score with me. Should I keep score with others? No. It'll ruin relationships. Love doesn't act like that. Love doesn't keep score. Amen? Let's get a little further down. Love does not even think evil. We just talked about that. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Love doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, evil, wrongdoing. Love does not take pleasure in unrighteousness in the sin of others. It does not feed upon sin and wrong, nor does it pass judgment. Man's nature is too often to feed the tragedy or evil, whether personal sin or natural disasters. Love doesn't act like that. Love doesn't revel when others grovel. Love doesn't post that nonsense on Facebook. Love doesn't send that tweet. Amen? Love acts a little better than that. Galatians 6 and 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a fault, we who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest you also be tempted. 1 Peter 4 and 8. And above all things, have fervent love among yourselves, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Hey, guess what, guys? This beautiful lady on the front row, she's not perfect, but I love her in spite of that because she's realized her husband ain't perfect either, and she loves me in spite of those things as well. Amen? I won't ever tell you about her faults because I love her too much. Amen? Hopefully she won't tell you about mine, okay? But guess what, guys? Love covers a multitude of sins, amen? Doesn't revel when others grovel. Love also rejoices in the truth. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love rejoices when the truth is known and when it prevails. It rejoices when others are recognized and promoted. It celebrates the wins of others, 
Ephesians 4 and 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one or another. Ephesians 6 and 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having a breastplate of righteousness. Love loves the truth. Amen? Guys, we need to be lovers of truth. Amen? We don't need to be lovers of gossip. We don't need to be lovers of the, the, the latest discussion on Facebook or on Twitter or, or whatever is being talked about in the stands. We need to be lovers of truth. Amen? You know, guys, so many times we weigh in on situations we don't know a whole lot about. Okay? We think we are experts on the subject and we know a very minuscule amount of the true information. But we choose to weigh in on the subject. Here's what's amazing. God, who knows everything about everything and everybody, he chooses to remain silent. Couldn't we learn a lesson from that? Or as mama used to say, when you don't have nothing good to say, what? Don't say nothing at all. You knew mama too, huh? It's one of them good sayings. But love says that. Love covers a multitude of sins. Amen? Love bears all things. The word bears means to cover all things and to bear up under all things. Love does both. It stands under the weight and the onslaught of all things and it covers up the faults of others. It has no pleasure in exposing the wrong and the weaknesses of other, others. Love bears up under any neglect, abuse, ridicule. Love puts up with anything. Colossians 3 and 13, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, you do so to others. You know, guys, there are things that happen to us and and we have reason to maybe want to take offense. We have reason, we have uh, justification, if you will, to say, I have something against that person. But the moment you start thinking about your justification, think about God who forgave you of everything. Who forgave you just for asking, Fabian. Think about all the times you failed him. Think about all the things you did that were against his word. But you asked for forgiveness and he forgave you. How much more quickly should we be able to forgive others? Amen? When you start thinking, I don't know if I can forgive that person. I don't know if I can forgive that man. I don't know if I can forgive that ex-husband of mine. I don't know if I can forgive that person, that teacher, that uncle, that aunt. Just think about it, guys. God forgave you. Amen? And love says that we forgive. Love says that we bear up under all things. We put up with anything. Love says those things. In addition, and I'm almost done. Love believes all things. Love is completely trusting, always eager to believe the best, is ever ready to believe the best. I think a mama's right here. Actually, I think a grandma's right here, okay? Because mama's sometimes, you say you love, but in the back of your mind, you know he up to no good. But you grandmas, ooh, y'all something else, okay? You grandmas, I mean, look, I've talked to grandmas and their kids are in prison, Okay. Oh, he was such a sweet boy. Oh, you saw that rap sheet? Now, well, well, here's the deal. She saw past the rap sheet and she saw that boy's heart. Okay. And guys, we need to see past the sins of others and we need to see their heart. And you know what? If their heart ain't so pretty, see God's heart for them. Amen. Guys, we need to realize that love is what it's all about. Love will change you. It'll change your family. It'll change this community. People need more of it. And the world don't even know how to give it. 
The world don't understand this kind of love. Heck, half the church in here don't understand this kind of love. There are times your pastor don't understand all this kind of love. We need a fresh revelation of what kind of love God expects for us to show others. Because it's the kind of love he's already shown us. Love believes all things. Colossians 3 and 13, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against thee, even as Christ forgave you, you you do also to others. Love also hopes all things. It never ceases to hope, okay? It trusts God always. It never ceases to hope. It expects the good to eventually triumph, to gain the victory. It refuses to accept failure. It always hopes for the best, for the ultimate triumph of the good, no matter how bad the situation. It hopes. Romans 8 and 24, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and has given us an everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your heart, establish you in every good word and work. Hope. Love gives you hope. It always looks for the best. It never looks back. Finally, love endures all things. The word endures is a military word, meaning to stand against the attack of an enemy. Love actively fights and endures all attacks. Love is strong, full of fortitude and fight. It struggles against each and every attack to buckle in to being unloving. Love conquers and triumphs always because it endures all things. No matter what attacks love, named or unnamed, it endures the attack And it continues to love. Love never looks back. It keeps going to the very end. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain. Galatians 6 and 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in good season we shall reap, what? If we faint not. You see, guys, we need to love no matter what. We need to love no matter what's said on Facebook. We need to love no matter what um, people do to us. We need to love no matter how people respond to us. Amen. We need to become the church that loves people again, no matter what. Amen. Love like that is, is, is irresistible. As James said in James 1 and 12, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. You see, guys, that kind of love goes to the very end. That's the love that drove Jesus to the cross. That's the love that brought Jesus to the cross, where he didn't deserve that, but he, he, he embraced that because of you, his love for you. When Jesus said from the cross, it is finished, It was. There was nothing more for him to do. He had proved God's love for you and I. Amen? And then finally, love never fails. Love never dies. Love never ceases, never vanishes, endures, and lasts forever. This kind of love, guys, will change this community. This kind of love, guys, will change you. This kind of love will change your family. It's the kind of love that every one of us need. Amen? Now turn with me to chapter 13, verse 13. 
the final verse of the chapter, it says this. I'm going to read out of the message. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly. The King James says, but three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. Guys, God's love for us is immense. It's more than we could ever imagine. His love for us is so deep, it's so wide. Nothing, according to Romans chapter number 8, can separate us from the love of God. And as I close this morning, I hope that God, through his Holy Spirit, has given you a fresh revelation of the kind of love that he has for you, your family, this church, and this community, and the kind of love that he expects us to show toward others.